When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to College Loop Post Game Reaction Show. I'm doing like hey, you will a tank on Twitter slash X, whatever you want to put it, redirects. I'm here joined by Mr. John Conley. John, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, Dylan. I'm doing good. It is well uh, in the Plains or, you know, uh, in Nashville because uh, that was a home game for the Auburn Tigers for certain. Uh, but no, I'm good. We're ready to rock and roll. I'm excited to, to break this game down. Of course, and Auburn, call it a win streak. Auburn just won their second SEC game in a row following a 31-15 to win over the Auburn-North Campus, as you just said. <laughs> that was definitely an Auburn home game. And mm-hmm. if, anyone in the co- if anyone in the chat was at the game, kind of let us know what that, what that was like. What was it like watching a Jumbotron held up by two cranes? Because I just got to know what that was like. But yeah, of course, Auburn was able to finally build off of a win like they have not done since Sanford. And, I mean, Auburn looked pretty impressive throughout, uh, I want to say, most of the game. There was a couple of things that I think Auburn definitely has to fix on before Arkansas because Arkansas, believe it or not, better team than Vanderbilt. And I see James in the comments. James, how you doing, buddy? Uh, got your shirt. John actually got his shirt, too, in the mail as well. Still waiting for both mm-hmm. of y'all to, you know, put them up on Twitter so we can shout y'all out on the show. But it's neither here nor there. And, Teresa, see you as well. Yeah, three-fourths Auburn. And very loud. It sounded loud on the on on the TV on the TV when I was watching. And Teresa UTSA one as well. So meet meet to that. Uh, but John, I'll get your first in- instincts. I know you didn't watch the full game, but you I think you got a nice little nice little gist of it. So I'll let you kind of talk about your thoughts on the game real quick. Yeah, I mean this this game was a really good uh, handling by the Auburn offense. I thought that they continue to grow and build off of what they did last week against Mississippi State for sure. Uh, there was, there were some small things, some small, you know, drops and some miscues that can be corrected uh, for sure. And they acknowledge that in their post game, uh, all of them and out or acknowledge like, Hey, you know, I can do better on this. I can do better on that. We just got to clean up these small mistakes, but it was just a good building off of there was, there was some establishment 
going on of identity. Like, yes, the Mississippi State game was kind of that foundation. Now let's grow off of it. All right, let's do it for Vanderbilt, Arkansas, New Mexico State, and then see where we're at going into uh, Alabama. Of course, and let's see everybody coming in in the comments. What's up, Chris, Bob, War Eagle, Bob, and James? If you got an Instagram, that also works too. Uh, hashtags work the same way. Uh, but yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I think we finally saw a, I don't want to say a complete game for Peyton Thorne because he definitely had himself some struggles throughout mm-hmm. the game, but definitely a Peyton Thorne that is improving thus far. And I, I know in the war report, people kind of got upset with me based on my thoughts on Peyton Thorne. My thoughts kind of don't change. Uh, he is an average quarterback and he is slowly becoming an above average quarterback with his play. And he just has to keep getting better and better throughout the week. And luckily you have New Mexico state in between Arkansas and Alabama to kind of like rest a little bit and kind of get, get right. I don't, I don't say, don't overlook Mexico state. Don't look over. Don't overlook anybody. I don't trust this team yet to not do that. But of course, don't, you don't need to go in there and just guns of guns of blazing and, get someone hurt. But the issue with this game is the wide receivers. And a five, we counted, sources are saying five drops, but it definitely thought there was a lot more. There was the Amara Kelly drop. Uh, Rivaldo Fairweather had a couple of bad drops uh, following his 53-yard touchdown that he had. And Damari Alston had himself a drop, I believe, was the other one we mentioned. But it just felt like it was just all over the place. No matter what was what ball was getting thrown, I know there was one ball. I think the Damari Alston drop was because Peyton Thorne absolutely threw a missile uh, to, to a to a flat route. But I mean, the Amari Kelly drop should never happen at a at a P five organization uh, college football team because that Amari Kelly drop was that was a touchdown that got left off the board, and that was points left off the board on that drive as, as well. There is no reason why a team like this, and I know you. You get to enjoy a nice little air raid, so I don't know how many drops you get to experience on a on a game by game basis. But I mean, when you finally have an offensive, you finally see offensive production from a team that's not had it all season. It makes it hard to fully enjoy a win whenever points were just left off the board like they were on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I th- the one thing that does help uh, ease this thing a little bit with these drops is yes, you lost. You missed points on the board, but it wasn't enough to change the outcome of this game in terms of the results. You still won. You still won handedly, uh, but yeah, these are small things that you got to correct because you can't have these drops going into. You can't have them going into Arkansas. I, I truly believe that Arkansas will take advantage of those things, especially with how well their defense can respond to to adjustments. They play. They can play pretty well. Uh, I'm I'm actually a little bit. I'd be a little cautious and, and a little nervous if I was. Uh, Auburn going into Arkansas, uh, but you especially can't have these drops uh, come the Saturday after Thanksgiving. They just, that's not even possible. You you do that, that could be that could just cause a world of hurt uh, for this team. Yeah, especially whenever Alabama seems to be playing on <laughs> playing as at a high level right now. If you watch that game versus uh, LSU, uh, it's going to get into one, another comment I want to talk about a little bit later on. But Alabama is very explosive and. Mm-hmm. If you aren't keeping up with them, you're not going to beat them. And that's exactly what Auburn's going to have to do on offense. And that's going to start with Omari Kelly, Valdo. Y'all both, both of y'all need to go into practice this week, uh, do a little, little auto thrower. I don't know exactly what it's called and catch like a hundred balls uh, of practice. Just do something that <laughs> proves to me that you are getting better at catching because 
oh my lord. Especially with Valdo is supposed to be the safety blanket on this team, and he's dropping those two easy passes. And Amari Kelly, definitely not like a star wide receiver on this team, but definitely a guy who gets his gets a nice amount of reps in. And uh, just that cat, that dropped catch was just abysmal to watch happen live. And I could not imagine what I would be doing if I was there watching that game happen. But yeah, and ultimately the offense looked really good despite the drops because of Jarquez Hunter finally getting it into motion back to back hundred. I think he got 144 or less, but I'm going to round up because I want to back to back 150 plus yard performances from Jarquez Hunter. And I don't, I think he's chosen the best time of the entire season to finally kick it into third gear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, This was a great, this was one thing that I really noticed about this game specifically that I really enjoyed from Jarquez Hunter to the the touchdowns that Peyton Thorne did have is they were big plays. They were big chunk plays. And that's you can beat a team doing that. I, I, I am with this team still a little bit more tried and true of like, hey, let's let's chew some clock, let's run the football, let's take it down. But you know, if you can get a 57 yard run, you know, on one play, just do it. Just go for it. Uh then that's how they just came in and they made some home run hits and it was really, really Good to see uh, just being able to build off of that and grow off of that. They had some massive, massive runs uh, from from Jarquez there, and a lot of it started with his patience. I, one thing I noticed watching them is his first touchdown run, he was supposed to run right in between, I, I think it was originally, right in between the center and the right guard, and he took a step, waited a minute for the play to progress, and he ran through the left side. And that just caused the whole rest of the defense to slide out. And he got that massive run in for a touchdown. And then it was it was nice for the second one, too. He just completely uh, ran through a couple dudes, breaking some tackles and just walking to the end zone. So it was an awesome response to see uh, from Jarquez. And, yeah, there's if there's any time you want your running back uh, to be playing this well, it's going into this latter half of the season where you're going to need him going down this home stretch. Yeah, especially whenever you have – I don't want to say a bowl game is like set in stone, but you're at five wins. You have New Mexico State left on the schedule. And then, of course, Arkansas and Alabama. Uh, but Jarquez, I mean, he definitely benefited from the fact that Connor Alou, the, the freshman center, stepped in from an in, from into the shadow, or not the shadow, the hole of a injured Avery Jones. And immediately, I, I think he plays a whole lot better. Uh, than our veteran center did. And Connor Lou just opened up holes left and right. Both, both those long touchdown runs by Jarquez Hunter were both opened up by the fact that Connor Lou played mm-hmm. bully ball in, in between the hedges. And that was just a beauty, beautiful thing to see. I mean, Auburn, is, I, Hugh Freeze hit on, I want to say, Jeremiah Cobb, Connor Lou, Keldrick Falk, and Kay and Lee. That's four freshmen that are ultimately helping this team out as true freshmen, which I think is just awesome to see because you don't typically see that, especially from a power five or an SEC organization. You really don't see true freshmen step in right away and are playing at this high of a level. And I mean, it helps that Auburn's in a rebuilding process. So, you know, these two, these four guys are going to develop into even better players going into next year. And hopefully you get four years out of them, but with how good they're playing right now, I don't think you are. Uh, Let's hope for, let's hope for a solid three. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's you, you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, 
the fact that they're playing as well as they are, because one, yes, you don't see it a whole lot, seeing true freshmen go out and, and play, not just at the FBS level or the, the group of five level, but at the power five level in the you know premier conference that has been for uh, for decades now in the SEC. Like that's a lot of pressure for for those 18 year olds and those 18, 19 year old guys. And so for them to respond and play it the way that they're playing that's huge just for the development of your program going into next season and the year after that. And yeah, who knows, maybe they'll come for a senior year, but you know, more than likely uh, these guys are going to want to find a, a nice paycheck uh, for one of the 32 teams in the NFL. Yeah. I think Connor Lou is probably the most likely to do that just because I think O-linemen typically stay all four years, but mm-hmm. definitely four guys who could definitely hear their name called, uh, but Roger Goodell and in, uh, in that first round of whatever NFL draft they're going to go into. And it's worth mentioning, I mean, Peyton Thorne's got to be a topic uh, that gets talked about a lot. And I know, I know everybody, I am the Robbie Ashford truther. I get crap for it on an hourly basis. Believe me, I've read the war report comments about me. I love watching Peyton Thorne improve week in and week out. It's something that I have been asking him to do for, what week are we in now? 10? 11? Yes. One of those two. I've been asking him to do that for, let me just say just not nine, let's say seven games. For seven games, I've been asking Peyton Thorne to prove to me that I need to back off of Robbie Ashford. And he has slowly but surely founding, found a way to do that. And I know I said in the war report, I, I said exactly what I'm going to say now. I still want to see Robbie Ashford utilized in some type of way. I don't want to see him overhauled at the offense. I, I like seeing him used for certain play calls where he makes sense. Especially because I don't think Peyton Thorne offers that great read option ability. I know that Robbie that argument is Robbie Ashford keeps it a lot. I said that on the Warport too. Uh, I think a lot of his runs aren't really read options. They're more designed QB keepers, no matter what the call really is. Mm-hmm. But I do enjoy seeing Peyton Thorne on this upward trajectory because if there's any if there's ever a time that I want to see my quarterback play at the highest level, it is leading up into the Iron Bowl. Because if there's I I swear I would I will take a one in eleven season every year if it means I beat the crap out of Alabama for that one. That is exactly how I think. And I'll even take a two in ten season. It's just beating Georgia and, <laughs> and Alabama every year, and I'll take it. But Peyton Thorne finally stepping up into this leadership role, especially at the LSU game, where we all kind of assumed that he was losing the locker room, uh, especially because I, I thought the Keontae Scott tweet saved, uh, where Keontae Scott just in the middle of the game, uh, when he was in the hospital, resting up his resting up his leg, uh, just the number nine, just to signify that Robbie played the best against yeah. LSU, keep, get Robbie in. or He said he was just supporting his teammates, but I, I don't want to read too hard into it, but uh, that's what it came off. Uh, but yeah, Peyton Thorne stepping up uh, tremendously, uh, and I saw a comment somewhere up here. Uh, where is it? I think it talks about if Peyton Thorne had like had those two drops caught. Uh, he there he is by Gregorio Duran. I saw you're coming up there above to Gregorio about the War Eagle War Eagle Matt. If Camden Amari kept their great deep balls, then Thorne has 250 passing yards in the game and three touchdowns. This game would have been out of hand. And that's the same issue that I had with last week's game it definitely felt like there were points to be had that were not had against two teams that you were better than uh mississippi state should have gotten out of hand it didn't and some of that could have been because auburn didn't have the ball that much against mississippi state but also 
you got to capitalize whenever you're a better team, especially whenever you're running the ball as well as Jarquez was against Mississippi State. Same thing here. This game was a 16-point win. It didn't really feel like it was a 16-point win. Mm -hmm. And I got crap from my girlfriend who was looking at me. She was like, why are you so mad about this? Why You're winning. You're winning. Why are you so upset about winning? Because it didn't feel like a win. When I watch Auburn walk into a stadium of 28,000 individuals, three-fourths of those being Auburn, by the way, so it's Auburn-North Campus again, and we walk in and play a 2-6 and team, who has been just, they've been scrappy at times, but ultimately not better, not never going to play better than the team they're playing against. And I sit there and I watch Auburn play down to their opponent. Explosive play is given up on the defensive end, which again, to get to that more in a second, because I got to talk about the defense in a little bit. And the offense just not, there was, there was a lot of drives where I just scratched my head. Just, Cute read options, uh, just going nowhere. And Stuart Donald saying your girlfriend is right. Yeah, she is right. She's always right. Don't worry. She's always right. Always right. But in this case, I, I, as an analytical individual, when I see my team win, I, I am against the win is a win thing when it comes to playing teams you're worse than. Mm-hmm. I think if you come in and beat a better team, a win's a win. Even if it's like the better team didn't win. Yeah. If you go, if you play against a worse team and you barely win, a win is not a win. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think we as football fans, as sports fans, obviously we want our team to win. That's nothing. That's not new. That's not a foreign concept, but there's something to, especially when it's someone in your conference or in your division or just a rival, a team that you don't like, it's not enough to just get the win. You want to put up as many points as you possibly can. You want to get as many, uh, you know, big plays and, and just demoralize them. You know, uh, to me, letting the foot off the gas, it, I understand it at times. I understand if you're doing it for the sake of you don't want your starters to get hurt, right? You're so far into a game where you don't want to get your starters hurt or anything like that. But when it comes to something like this with, with this Auburn and Vanderbilt game, to me, putting up more points does not does nothing but help the motivation and the confidence of this offense as it just keeps going forward. So you did lose a lot of points, uh, I think, with these with these miscues, these mistakes. You know, Brian Batie had a great return that got pulled back, and it's just it's just small little things that man, you get those extra little things. Yes, it turns into a forty or fifty point, you know, offensive performance from your team, and that's a lot better than thirty, but. Ultimately, what it does is it gets your confidence going up. Like, hey, we can put up 50-plus points in the SEC. We can do that against anyone in college football right now. That's what doing that does is if you let go, of, if you take off the gas, all of a sudden, yeah, you let up a garbage-time touchdown and the score is a little bit closer than you you know want it to or even than it feels like. But to me, you, you just got to keep putting points on the board because it does nothing but – help the confidence of this team and help drive momentum going into these last few games, uh, closing out the season. Yeah, especially because you talk about the Brian Batee returning a callback as well. It was also a Jarquez Hunter touchdown. I also got called back for mm-hmm. holding. So I just uh, a lot of things just happening that have just been happening all year long that just need to stop because right now, looking at the Arkansas game, Arkansas is currently favored by three points. Uh, and also if the FBI has been the 54.3% chance to uh, to beat Auburn. Uh, that's going to come because I don't think this game was going to be all a high scoring. It's over under 50 
points. I feel like we could be definitely be watching like a 17-10 or a 20-13 type of type of game out of out of these two. The the one thing about this game to me is the record does not indicate the performance of either one of these two teams. Uh what's the record here for Arkansas? They're three and six, three and seven, yeah. something like that. Five of their six losses are one score or less. Uh, a lot of them are three points and less. So three, four points. And so, you know, the record does not indicate how close of a team this Arkansas team is. One or two plays in all those games, and they go from three and six to, you know, uh, nine and three, you know, something like that. So you just got to you just gotta keep, keep an eye out for this Arkansas team, man, because they're going to play – they're going to be scrappy. Sam Pittman's going to have this team playing scrappy, scrappy football. And it could be one of those games where – the winner of this game is not going to feel like a defined winner. It's just going to be who, who just kind of got out of this massive dogfight. Which is going to be an absolutely gross game to watch. Hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully not. I would love love it to be like a you know Auburn forty, Arkansas two, uh, because of a kneel down to to in the in the game or something along those lines. But I just I have I don't want to say I have low confidence in get Auburn getting the win. I have low confidence in Auburn getting a big win. I have low mm-hmm. confidence in Auburn. If Auburn does lose this game, it's not going to be by a lot. If Auburn wins this game, it's not going to be by a lot. And that's strictly because I don't think this Arkansas team – this Arkansas team is also finding – I don't say they're finding a rhythm because Mississippi State game happened last week, uh, but they came out and beat Florida in the swamp. I also don't think Florida is that good of a team in, in my own right. Uh, I think they're kind of a team that kind of started off hot uh, and has since fallen off, and Georgia kind of – uh, show that they are not as good as they think they are, and then Arkansas comes into the swamp and beats the cra- and not beat the crap out of them, but takes them down in overtime uh, for the first time that they've ever uh, beaten Arkansas, beaten Florida in the swamp. Words are hard to say today. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand, and that was that was a big win for Arkansas too. It's the first time since LSU they put up over thirty on offense, and so just to get those points going, they they had some defensive you know problems. They let a they let Graham Mertz kind of sling it around there a little bit, but uh, but for the most part, it was just that was that was a win that you needed if you were Arkansas and Sam Pittman going into this Auburn game because now both teams are, I would say, is the most confident they've been all season. So it, it should make for a very very interesting game. Yeah, you are not lying. It's going to be interesting as as a word I would use. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> five and fourteen versus a three and sixteen. Somehow it's a three p.m. kick. So hallelujah to that. <laughs> for that being a non 11 a.m. kick because I do not want to watch that at 11 a.m. Uh, but just to go through some, some of these comments, talking about the offense before we get into the defense. Got Bob Williams, won't beat the piggies with eight drops. You won't beat a lot of people with eight drops. Mm-hmm. I can't lie. Uh, let's see. Uh, to James, no matter what team Bama has, we always play them tight in Jordan Hare, mostly with less talent. Uh, that'd be every time Auburn plays against Alabama. I I, I – <laughs> Strive to try to remember the last time Auburn had more talent than Alabama, and it's not been in my conscious memory as an Auburn fan uh, that I can think of. 04 probably is going to be the furthest I can go back and say that, but Auburn also beat them like three more times after that. So, yeah, maybe 07, the last time Auburn probably out-talented Alabama, but not it's, it's not happened in the last few uh, Gorio has a comment from earlier. War Eagle from Albertville, Al- Alabama, boys. War Eagle Gorio. Uh, see. Bob Williams. If Fairweather takes one step to his right to shield off the defender, the pick six doesn't happen either. Great receivers do that. I don't think the pick six was on 
Fairweather at all. I think Thorne just didn't see the defender there. No, no. I, I, I went back and looked at it literally a few minutes before we started this, and that to me was on Thorne. I think Thorne, he, one, he stared down that entire right side of the field for the entire play. He didn't go through any progressions. It was either Fairweather, Fairweather or whoever the um, – the wide receiver was on that side. I, I didn't quite catch who it was, but that's where the ball was going. So it was easy for those linebackers in those corners to kind of adjust and respond to that. So it was it was a bad mistake, uh, something that Peyton Thorne, again, this offense as a whole just has a lot of things they got to clean up. It was good that you got the win, but how you got the win is, is something that's going to be looked upon and, and reflected throughout this entire week of practice. Yeah, of course, and you just got to – I guess with it being, they kind of said it was like because it was in the shade, uh, so it's kind of hard to see black jerseys. But also, uh, Aaron Murray said that, and I don't really trust his judgment on anything. Uh, so take that as you will. <laughs> I I was I said there the entire game, and I was like, I want these commentators are not good. Why do I not like these commentators so much? And then they they showed the camera up to it, and it was like Aaron Murray, and I was like, ah, that's why I can't stand these commentators. The the one thing that drove me nuts about this game, it was an absolute – I was going back and, and watching some plays and, and everything. It was an absolute nightmare to get a great angle because the camera's so, like, steep. I felt like I was watching it from, like, just an aerial view just straight over top. It was it was wild. I, I don't I don't watch much Vanderbilt football, so I don't uh, – I didn't really know that going into it, but it was so weird for me to see. I was like, this feels so steep. Like, I feel like I'm seeing, like, a quarter of the field from, you know, a mile away. It was just weird. Yeah, that was also that first kick that Vanderbilt had where it was just, like, looking straight down mm-hmm. at the at the, at the field, at the uh, words, oh, my Lord, attempt. Uh, and it was just, I was like, I couldn't tell if he actually made it at first or not because it was just that bad. Yeah. Uh, let's see what's we got next. Offense is going to have to correct some of those penalties and drops that they're going to beat Arkansas next week. The Hogs are a better team than the record shows, and that's kind of what you were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. That's the weakest link. Uh, again, that's kind of with the drops thing. You're not going to beat a lot of teams if you're just committing stupid penalties. Uh, Jarquez Hunter had a touchdown, get robbed off the board. He should have had three for like 200 yards as well. Uh, and that Brian Batiste uh, kick return that would put you like on your on the Vanderbilt 30. And then those drops are just, mm, mm. yeah, it's bad. Yep. Let's see, and now to go to James Barnett. Do they not teach the tight ends how to block? The thing is about the tight ends have been blocking well all season. They just have plays where it looks like they just give up mid mid play on on the blocks, and that's about yeah. I mean. Uh, I Ravado Fairweather has been a pretty decent blocker, mm-hmm. and he definitely started off that way. I think they've kind of moved him out of like a a blocker. Oh, I didn't mean to start that one. Right. He's been a better blocker uh, down the stretch. He's kind of like made him more of a receiver, and then you see more of Brandon Frazier and Luke Deal and Tyler Fromm get in, which I kind of agree with. I think there are a lot of uh, those three are a lot better blockers than Valdo is, uh, but I see what you're saying. Uh, let's see, back to James. Dylan, I agree we may need him against Bama in reference to Robbie Ashford. Jaden Daniels proved that Alabama has a weakness against running quarterbacks. Uh, yes, they do. Uh, I'm trying to pull up all the, the stats from Alabama games throughout the season, and I'm trying to see all of the games they really struggled against rushing quarterbacks. Uh, Jaden Daniels, of course, had 
163 yards on the ground, uh, which is ridiculous. Uh, Kaden Jefferson had 26 yards. Uh, Joe Milton led Tennessee in rushing that game. They played uh, 59 yards. Ole Miss, Jackson Dart only had six yards, but he had a touchdown. Uh, de- and he also had 12 carries, so def- definitely with a threat there. And Quinn Ewers had 11 yards. I'd, so I, I think it's less of them having a struggle against rushing quarterbacks. It's them struggling against those elite rushing quarterbacks like Jaden Daniels is. Because uh, Jaden Daniels is just a, a freak who should win the Heisman, by the way. Yeah, my my thing with, with that stat is, is there could be a little bit of – kind of a skewed look if you just look at the box score and say, oh, they ran for 100 and something yards or they ran for 80 or 90 yards as a quarterback. I want to see the runs and specifically where they design runs or was it something where the play broke down and the quarterback just happened to make a play. Because the issue is, is when we have Ashford out there, most all of his runs are going to be designed. So they're going to account for that. You're not accounting for you know your quarterback breaking down, everything's covered and he just ends up making a play. Because he can. So when you're looking at those stats, like I want to go back and look and see of all those rushing yards. Now, I'm sure Jay Daniels had a, a mixture of both, but when you look at Joe Milton or some of these other guys, where where does the runs come from? Do they come from that was a design run that we had in the playbook, or was that there was nothing else to do and he made a play with what he had? Yeah, I think very few of Jay Daniels' runs from la- from last night was – a designed run for him. It was usually there was nothing down the field and he took off and he just made a play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I, I love hyping up Robbie. It's something I love to do. I have his jersey for Pete's sake, but Jane Robbie Ash was not Jane Daniels. So I would like to see Robbie Ashford play against Alabama, but if he doesn't, I wouldn't be upset about it unless Peyton Thorne is just absolutely struggling throughout the entire game. Uh, only instance I would like to see Robbie Ashford in is probably in the inside the 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, really just try to spread out that defense and see if you can get a touchdown on the ground against Alabama because you're going to need it uh, tremendously because, again, you might have to just keep up with them. Uh, no matter how close Auburn plays them, you got to keep up with Alabama. Uh, let's see, to War Eagle. Talking on the James, 2021 was the same story as this year, just not enough depth to make the t- fourth quarter. We have hella starters, but the drop is evident with the second and the third. But that that is about to change, yeah. I agree. Uh, the recruiting is definitely higher uh, at a higher standard than it's ever been uh, from the past, like, four or five years. So definitely got to be patient with this team to really see them evolve into that. Uh, yeah, it, it is rough that not seeing the depth, not seeing this same pace from the first string to the second mm-hmm. string, or not, not not the same pace, but like a stagnant decline. It's either it's a sharp decline from the starters to the to the guys coming off the bench, and that that's where it's rough. And you really see that on in the linebacker core and the O linemen, D linemen. You kind of see that as well. And that that's what's going to hurt you the most when you play against SEC teams, ultimately. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with that. I think if you're if you got to be deep into anything, I'd say the defensive side of the ball, so that you don't lose track of what you're trying to run. But then primarily just in the trenches, you can't you can't get down a, a tackle or a guard, and then all of a sudden that just completely exposes that side of the ball. So you have to just. Uh, just with time with recruiting, luckily you have this form of free agency that we have now with the transfer portal rule where you can get deeper quicker. 
And so with that, I would just say if, if you're Auburn, like that's got to be one of the big things that you try to address here this this next portal window, this offseason. Just say, hey, how can we get deeper? That, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get better as with your starting guys. But, hey, when um, when Eugene Asante goes out, you know, can we have a guy that we trust that can maybe not play as well he's, as he's playing but can certainly hold his own weight? Yeah, it's going to help as well whenever you get uh... – a really good transfer portal quarterback and for the mm-hmm. offense and definitely gonna need a load up on wide receivers too. That's another position that I forgot to mention. When I said positions that do not have a lot of depth. Uh, War Eagle 42 this time matches my Jersey number. I got going on. Got my nice little powder blue Brooklyn Dodgers, Jackie Robinson Jersey on shout out to that. Uh, Thorne reads better than Robbie. Robbie just pulls the ball every time. I don't agree with that. I think Peyton Thorne, whenever he takes it, he doesn't typically get with it and that's not to say he hasn't done it before it's to say that he doesn't do it often especially because i think robbie whenever he keeps it he there's a higher chance of robbie to make someone miss and get down the field than there is for peyton thorpe mm-hmm. yeah no absolutely and my thing is when you are robbie ashford and you are as big of an athlete as you are like i understand you want to take advantage of that one thing that i want to point out to it's kind of it's it's still focused on the offensive side of the ball but with the rpo Part of it is you want to be smart as a play caller to know when to call the right plays and say, hey, I want you to run the ball on this play. I want you to pass. But when you're putting it in the hands of your quarterback to make that decision, the quarterback more likely than not is going to want to throw. And the shining example I saw that was against Sanford. Peyton Thorne on, it was, you know, 10 straight RPO option plays. Decided he was going to throw it. And there were times where he definitely should just give him the ball to Alston or Jeremiah Cobb whoever was there and let them do it. But, you know, I, I, so I understand where Ashford's coming from is like, listen, I feel that with my capabilities and what I can do as a running back and an athlete that I can make that play. Also, when you're Robbie Ashford, you're not getting on the field as often as these running backs are and as these quarterbacks are. And so you want to make the most of it. So I, I, I understand what Robbie does when, when he's, you know, going through these read options and, and decides to pull. Yeah, and that kind of goes into the next thing with me. Uh, P-Pass, there's nothing wrong with rooting for Robbie. Thorne has zero improvisational skill. That comes with just Robbie just being that much of an athlete. Uh, And that's kind of why I would like to see him implemented more into the offense, not as a starter, but definitely as someone who can come in and kind of keep the pace, Uh, even if it's a trick play. I mean, you could have him line up as a wide receiver and then have him – you could run like a screen, double screen. Uh, throw it to Robbie, let Robbie throw it on the field whenever they think that he's going to run it or something mm-hmm. along those lines. I mean, you, Robbie could be your Swiss Army knife on this offense. He could literally do anything. I don't think he's going to switch positions because uh, I do think he thinks he's going to he can be a good quarterback. And I definitely think he has the capabilities to be a, a good, if not great, quarterback uh, for some team who would be willing to develop him. But I definitely think there's not going to be that here at Auburn. Uh, so I'm definitely gonna be rooting for Robbie, it, no matter where he goes. If he doesn't transfer, I would be supporting Robbie no matter what, because uh, he's just a player that I've loved to watch. Uh, even though people seem to hate on him for everything. Uh, let's go War Eagle 0607. Last time Auburn out talented Alabama. That'd be the end of the Got Six era. So that was a that was a fun era that I really wish would come back. Uh, Riley M. War Dam from Chattanooga. War Eagle. Go moccasins. Uh, see, JB SMV needs to mix up the run schemes. Can't run inside zone multiple times in a row. Expect to hit every time. 
that's where I came from when I talked about the play calling being so hit or miss. You just hand the ball up to the middle to Jarquez Hunter, or Damari Allison, or Brian Batie, and sometimes it works, and then other times it just doesn't work at all. You get back to the line of scrimmage, you lose yards, you get like one yard, if that. That's what I need to see less from this offense. I need to see this offense open up more than it has. It has opened up since like old, like Georgia or Ole Miss, but it definitely has not opened up to the to the part where I can say confidently that Auburn's going to keep up with Alabama. Because you need to be able to open up your playbook. You need to be able to run more than just inside zones. Your RPOs, you get back to if, – if you freeze once for RPOs, he should run RPOs. He just has not been running a lot of RPOs. There have been some times where he does – some games where he tries to, some games where he just gives up on it. The inside zone, uh, like hand, it's like – it's not uh, – it's the way 14. You can't run inside zone 15 times in a row and have it work every every time. And I'm – guilty of doing that myself i love the cheesy plays i run halfback dive out of the shotgun so much <laughs> that my running back has broken records in in a season you can't it's not going to work in the sec it's definitely going to work next week against arkansas it's not going to work against alabama open up the offense more use brian t speed use damari austin's versatility chuck hunter put him with the middle jeremiah cobb use it for all three why not yeah no i i don't I've always been kind of a uh, tried and true with whenever you play football, if you can run the football as much as you possibly can do it. And until they force you to stop uh, it, then don't stop it. You know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And running the football is the safest way to play the sport uh, in terms of you're limiting your turnover ability. You're chewing the clock, you're controlling the game. That being said, you're not going to get, three you know 20 plus yard runs on the same drive or or some massive 30 40 50 yard runs against arkansas against alabama going into this stretch you might get one and that's really cool you might get a chunk play or two that that's certainly possible but if you're running it and first and second down you're on the same you know little dive play right up the middle and you get you know, four yards, like third down, you, you, I know what you shouldn't be running, you know? Uh, and the same thing goes, if you're going to try to do that, if it's first down, you do it every single drive at some point, your defense is going to respond to it. And so I, I'm all for running the football until it doesn't work, but then when it doesn't work, find ways to get creative because once it doesn't work, you got to find something else. That's, that's a big thing that they didn't have to necessarily deal with this week because Vanderbilt gave them a lot of opportunities to run it right uh, right in between the guards. But for the most part, when you're playing Arkansas and you're playing Alabama, you've got to find ways to get creative and run outside the tackles, run in between the tackles. Just get creative because they're going to find your your little rhythms and what you like to do, and they're going to do everything in their power to stop it. Yeah, especially because Auburn has been god-awful this season on third downs. Against Vanderbilt, four for 15 on third down conversions. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that against teams that you're better than, uh, especially Vanderbilt. And this Arkansas defense is not bad. Uh, for as bad as Arkansas offense has been all season before they fired Dan Enos, this Arkansas defense has held Alabama to 24 points. Mm-hmm. So can't be getting any third and longs, can't be calling the same plays over and over again. It's it's going to do nothing but hurt the offense more than anything. And got Charles Allen, the reason Robbie – pulls the ball as a part of his package, but there's times where he reads when he makes a decision to pull it or leaves it in the back's gut. I, that's why I, I think most of the time when Robbie gets a, 
uh, Q, like a read option play. I think it's not really an option. It's more of a QB keeper because no matter who the running back is, I think the best ball carrier on this team is Robbie Ashford. And that's just strictly because of his athletic ability. If he were to make the switch to running back, he'd be lights out. But again, I still think he has a talented quarterback to be that. So that's just me. I know people have their opinions on Robbie Ashford's ability to play quarterback in, in the league, but it's neither here nor there. Uh, see, James Barnett again talking about the pick. If PT looks off the defender, even though he slow balled it, it's probably not a pick. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I think if he just noticed the defense, the defender there made a second read or not second read, but third or fourth read, or just kept the ball and ran it, uh, definitely would have saved that from being a pick six. Uh, because that was that was just a boneheaded mistake from a from a uh veteran uh quarterback. See what else we got here before about the offense. Uh, Riley M. They're probably just happy if the Titans just come down passes. Anything else is icing. I think if anybody comes down with passes, <laughs> they're going to be happy. Uh, I think the tight ends have probably been one of the higher points of this offense uh, position wise. Because uh, I think the tight ends have outperformed uh, the past few tight end rooms uh, that we've seen outside of John Samuel Schenker the last couple of years. I mean, the tight end room has just not been all that great. Uh, but Valdo's come out and played very well. Luke Dill's a good blocker. Tyler Fromm comes in and kind of does both, but he's mostly mm-hmm. a blocker. And Brendan Frazier uh, slowly tried to become a consistent uh, catch a game kind of guy because you can't not throw it to the six seven tight end. Yeah. Uh, we saw we saw what Georgia did last year with Darnell Washington. Started Brandon Fager. No one's taller than him on the field. Uh, let's see, back to War Eagle. I'm skipping on the defensive thing so we can talk about the defense by itself because the defense is so hit or miss. Uh, War Eagle. We don't have the players as a knock on our talent right now. We have the we have talent. Just need more all the way across the board. I completely agree with that. Auburn should never blame not having the talent on their roster. I like Alabama should never complain about not having the talent on their roster. Tennessee should never complain about not having the talent on their roster. If you are an SEC program, if you're a power five program, you have the talent unless you're Vanderbilt or you're Rutgers or you're Northwestern or you're Iowa offensively, you should never be that you don't have the talent to compete. Auburn has the talent. The transfer portal is there to give you that immediate talent that can play immediate, like play right away. I think that the evaluation of the transfers probably just didn't go the way they thought they were. And I'm not saying they're not talented. I'm just saying they don't fit the scheme. And I think that probably fits the misses that we've seen from the transfer portal thus far. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I think, especially when you are, like we said, when you're an Auburn, when you're an Alabama, a Tennessee, a Florida, when you're just one of these these more traditional powerhouse, but just a, a consistently well above average football program and, and good and great football program, you're always going to have the talent. It's just a matter of how do they fit with what you're trying to do. And the issue is, is yeah, I think I think what we've seen kind of throughout this season is. I think what Hugh Freeze wanted to do at the beginning of the season and what he's doing now are two very different things. And I think now we're seeing what's working. How can we now adjust to that and get the players that fit? I think there are talented players on this football team, but maybe they're just football players that don't fit this offense. You know, you can get some really, really great, you know, pass catchers uh, at wide receiver and at 
uh, tight end. But if your whole game is centered on running the football and they can't block, it's like, well, you got talent. They just don't fit what you're trying to do. Yeah, I completely agree. And then this one's funny because it might make me buy another jersey. Uh, Teresa, maybe Robbie Ashford can replace Frank Harris at UTSA. I would go to every game. Uh, I would go watch every game, even though it's three hours away. If Robbie Ashford went to UTSA, one, I know who I'm going to have my first franchise with when the new NCAA game comes out. It's going to be UTSA. And I'll be buying a Robbie Ashford UTSA jersey and put it right next to that one. So that that would be what be happening. But him at UTSA would be so fun to watch. At that point, we would just need kind of like a, a watch list or a radar of quarterbacks from Auburn going to group of five schools in Texas. We'd have we'd have Texas State uh, marked off. We'd have UTSA. We just got to keep them out for you know UTEP and and North Texas and Rice. Where's Where's Incarnate Word at? Uh, no clue. <laughs> Is that in Texas? Because <laughs> that's in Texas. Uh, Zach Calzada uh, went to Incarnate Word, and I feel like a, I, I think they're are they FCS. I believe they're FCS. They're definitely FCS, if not D two. Incarnate Word is in San Antonio, Texas. There you go. But there you go. Three three quarterbacks from Auburn that could potentially be in Ed Teresa's answer for us right there. It, Incarnate Word is in San Antonio. I mean, there you go. You got you could have two yeah. quarterbacks from Auburn and in San Antonio balling out because I, I believe Incarnate Word is going to the FCS uh, playoffs if that's not already already happening or over right now. Uh, but College Loops, UTSA edition? I'm not saying no. Just pass it over and make sure Tar is also on board with it. Let's see. Fellas, is Bama's defense better than last year? We put over 300 yards on them last year at their house. I, bl- I, I think it's the same. There's a lot of the same issues they had last year that are not fixed. I don't think Kevin Steele is a great hire them and that's not uh, Albert fan saying I don't think Kevin Steele was a great defensive coordinator in the slightest here either uh, I think he just, he just had Derek Brown uh, which is always a great thing to have uh, but yeah I don't think it's been a defense any better than it was last year I think it's about the same it's a that question should be more has Auburn's offense gotten better than last year's which it's played like it in the last two games yeah yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I honestly can't say whether or not Alabama's defense is better. I think you're kind of, you're kind of spot on there. They're roughly about the same. It, it's not the typical Alabama defense that we're used to seeing. And it's not, this is not the typical Alabama team uh, the past two years that we've seen uh, over the course of of this entire Saban era. And so I think just kind of, kind of getting back to to what that used to be in the you know uh, mid 2010s. That that's kind of what they need to get back to doing is just playing solid hard-nosed defense and then running the football they need to get they've kind of gotten out of that over the past few years and it's it's not to the fault of, of their own they've had some great quarterbacks that have come through their program and so you just kind of got to get back to finding that physical hard identity that i think they've just kind of lost over the past couple of years yeah, and it does help the fact if auburn wants to beat alabama this defense is going to have to stop letting up these explosive plays against these teams that they are better than. I, Looking down the list of these Vanderbilt players, uh, just looking at their, their, their longest plays, a running back got 29. Ken Seals, who is a, not a dual threat by any means, had a 34-yard run. Uh, Will Shepard had a 28-yard catch. 
Junior Sherrill had a 30-yard catch. London Humphreys had a 20-yard. Logan Kyle, their tight end, had 24. Justin Ball had a 17. And, I mean, they did shut down the most explosive player on this Vanderbilt offense, Jaden McGowan, uh, holding him to only a, to 15 yards as, as a whole. But Jer- Jermaine Burton is a, is a receiver that I am – I've never been high on, even when he was at Georgia. Uh, not even in the slightest. And Arkansas, has got, I believe Arkansas has got some dudes. Uh, I'm trying to remember his name. Armstrong, I believe. Is Andrew Armstrong. He He's a very good wide receiver. And Rocket Sanders at running back for Arkansas is also very good. KJ Jefferson mm-hmm. has that ability to be explosive whenever he's playing at, at the level of play that he can play at. If this Auburn defense wants to hopefully win out, they're going to lock down some some players. And I know that they only gave up one touchdown against Vanderbilt and they gave up only one touchdown, I believe, against Mississippi State, if I remember my math correctly. Two. Two late-ish. My brain's not working. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, they're not giving up points. But how long can the bend-but-don't-break mentality – Keep you in football games. The the bend but break mentality. It, it to me a defense can bend so much until you break. And part of it is is it's the response from what is your offense doing. I, I mentioned it against Ole Miss in that game where the defense had a, a solid outing. I would say, but part of it was their offense wasn't giving them much to play with and much to kind of do and yet to play tighter and play more physical whenever it is a tight game and whenever you have to kind of pick up the slack for your offense. And so with this defense, like this defense has been playing well. Yeah. They gave up a, a fourth quarter touchdown uh, and kind of right at the beginning of the fourth quarter, it was uh, just like, it was like basically it was the first play first play of the, of the fourth quarter. Uh, they gave up a touchdown against Mississippi state. And then from there kind of held it down. But for this defense, you really just have to um, rely on what you can rely on. They force a lot of field goals, which is really good against Mississippi State. They they were able to kind of get back into it. You had a field goal from 29 and a field goal from 40, which a field goal from 29 means that they were in like the red zone. They were in the red zone at the time when the field goal was going to be kicked. And so the fact that you were able to adjust and respond to that that's what you need to see. KJ Jefferson is going to have some plays. Uh, was Rocket Sanders? He, he's going to have some some plays. It's just a matter of if you're this Auburn defense, how how much do you let up? Can you respond well enough to say, "Hey, they had a 20 yard run. Let's make sure that for the next three play or for the next for the rest of the drive, we didn't even get 20 total yards of offense." And so that's to me where the bend don't break is is you can bend in certain cases, as long as you're willing and able to stand up when you need to. Yeah. And it's definitely come down to can Auburn stand up at the defensive line. Uh, Mm -hmm. Jason Jones has been a player who's been very quiet all year. A definitely guy that I still expect him to see some kind of breakout game out of him at some point this year, whether that be uh, this game against Arkansas and New Mexico state wouldn't hurt to see him kind of break out. And even the Alabama game, if, if it takes them 12 games to break out and it's against Alabama, I'm okay with that. It's a win for me if he if he breaks out against the biggest rival on your on your schedule. But it comes – can this defensive line finally get pressure? I don't think the – I'm trying to do this off the fly. I'm trying to remember how 
is the Arkansas offensive line decent? I know KJ Jefferson runs around a lot, so I don't I, think he gets sacked a lot, but he very well could. The, Arkansas is never mind. <laughs> He's been sacked 36 times. This yeah. Year. Arkansas's defense offensive line. I, I saw it against Ole Miss, against Alabama, and, and really, I mean, against Mississippi State too, all three of those games. Their offensive line struggles at times, especially with overwhelming pressure. You get four or five guys rushing. They're going to cause some pressure. Ole Miss swamped over KJ Jefferson that whole game. I remember looking back at it, and it was it was bad. And then Alabama, the same situation, So, which is crazy to me whenever you are Sam Pittman because if Sam Pittman was known for anything, especially coming into his head coaching tenure with Arkansas, it was the fact that he was just getting massive dudes on the offensive line left and right that were going on to play professional football. So for Arkansas's offensive line to struggle like it is, it's just kind of it's kind of weird, you know, uh, seeing that from a Sam Pittman uh, team. But yeah, if Auburn is going to do one thing to shut this team down, you've got to get pressure from that offensive line that's been struggling all season. He's on pace to get sacked forty-eight times. In the season, he's getting sacked four times a game. That is yeah. ridiculous for Sam Pittman, who I think who might be fired after the end of the season. But yeah, you're just gonna, gonna need another big game from this already for the line. Uh, Marcus Harris is keep on that. Marcus Harris, Jason Jones will step up, Jalen McLeod, Elijah McAllister, both guys need to hear their names a lot. And of course, Keldrick Falk is gonna come down to him and uh, Zachivius Walker. So, all around, defense will have to be very important mm-hmm. against, against, uh, Arkansas and they made their names uh, known. Zachivis Walker got a sack. I believe it's his first sack of the season. I believe, yeah, it was uh, against Vanderbilt. Uh, Jenna McLeod got a sack. Marcus Harris got half a sack. And there's one other guy out here that I'm trying to. Find. I think that was it. I think it was Zachivis Walker, and Marcus Harris, Jenna McLeod. There we go. The edge rusher got a sack as well. So two and a half sacks coming from this Auburn uh, defensive line. And of course, you got Eugene Asante and Austin Keys and Cam Riley also getting your other two and a half sacks. So you finally getting pressure on the quarterback and you need to do that against a team who I believe now has a worse defense or worst offensive line than Vanderbilt did. Unless that also isn't the case. Cause I don't know my offensive line doesn't Auburn very well. And it's hard for me to imagine an offensive line. Oh yeah. So they've only given up 24 sacks among three quarter different quarterbacks. So by proxy better than Arkansas's. So definitely got the step up there. And I'll get some of these defensive comments. Uh, Bob Williams early on. Fortunately, our defense is much better than Florida's. Yes, I believe it is. I, I don't think Florida's all that great of a team. That goes back to me just kind of thinking that some belt Billy isn't really built for the SEC. Uh, he's a good recruiter. Great recruiter. I don't think that he is all that great of an SEC caliber coach. That could yeah. Be- I, I think I think what uh, what Florida tried to do was exactly what Missouri did with with Eli Drinkwitz. They saw a coach that was thriving at the Sun Belt level, which Eli was with with all with App State, and they were playing really really well and or winning conference championship games. They were playing good, and at the time when Florida hired Billy Napier, that's exactly what they did. And you know, part of it is he's from the program and everything, but I think they were expecting to kind of catch fire, similar to what we're now seeing. With Drinkwitz, and it's awesome to see that what he's been able to build over the past few years is finally kind of coming to fruition. And I think that we're going to start seeing a Missouri team that's this competitive, that's this physical, probably for the next few years, if I were to imagine. But I think next year is going to be a very tight leash for for Billy Napier. 
Yeah, especially if this uh, – I think the recruiting class is going to keep him there another year. Mm-hmm. But if next year they're not starting to see results, they're they're definitely going to hit, hit the struggle bus and start looking for another court, looking for another coach. And Clay Helton to Florida. <laughs> oh goodness! I hope you're ready to uh, I, listen. I know what you're going to run the whole time. You're going to run cover four because that's all you're going to do is you're going to see whoever his quarterback is just throw it 57 times a game. And you're going to have some great running back out there. He's going to run it six times for like 90 yards, and they're just not going to run the football with him. (laughs) I would love to see Florida being this run-heavy team throughout my entire history of watching Florida, and then they turn around and just go air raid. I say that. The Kyle Trask was definitely like partial air raid. Yeah. Or no, it was – forget it. (laughs) Kyle Pitts is down there somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, Kyle Pitts and, and Kadarius Tony out there making plays. I always forget he exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gorio, we need to drop a bag on Ron Roberts. Uh, I'm just, just put doorstep there just for the fill in the blank this offseason. He has been way better than expected. Imagine this defense under him with an actual SEC depth. I completely agree. Imagine Ron Roberts' defense where he blitzes in the right way uh, at the right time and puts all these awesome coverages out with actual transfers and uh, I don't say transfers, but talent that can be developed like Malik Blockton from Pike Road uh I I uh, work at Stanhope and I got to hear about him uh personally and I believe what I was told was uh (laughs) looking at Malik Blockton I was like so what's your scheme for Malik Blockton going to this game and they literally told me go the opposite way if he was on the left side we're running right if we're on the right side we're going left and I think that was like our worst performance on the ground all year uh, but yeah, I, I think if you give Malik Blockton to Ron Roberts, he's definitely going to turn him into, I don't want to say a Derek Brown level, but he does have the baby face of Derek Brown. So I'm kind of hard <laughs> not to see the comparisons there. Uh, but hopefully Derek Brown level, because that'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, back to war Eagle. Who's got two comments up here. Nobody expected our defense to be this good and not being a deep group. I'm hella surprised and hella happy that we are balling. Uh, I, you and the entire Auburn fan base, both. I, this defense has definitely been the highest, uh, like position group, or not position group, but definitely has been the brightest spot of this team. I uh, finally seen the offense finally step up and play well, uh, but the defense has been doing it all season. Uh, especially, like, I want to say this outside of the LSU game, but that was, I blamed the LSU game on the fact the offense wasn't doing anything about a <laughs> against an abysmal LSU defense. Yeah, the the one thing for me that I've seen from Auburn that I think has really been their strong suit is, man, they find ways to get the ball. You know, they they find ways to get takeaways. That's one thing that my team uh, in Georgia Southern they're doing, and they're they're I think equally surprising in their own conference is Georgia Southern's playing really really solid defense. Don't look at this past uh, Saturday, but. Uh, they're playing really strong defense, but the big thing they're doing is they're getting takeaways. They're they're getting interceptions. They're getting fumbles. They're making the most of missed opportunities, and that's something that Auburn has done all season, and they're doing it at a very, very high level. Yeah, Auburn right now, I I think it's a 18, 19-game streak of getting a turnover, and mm-hmm. Auburn this year has 11 interceptions and four fumble recoveries so that's 15 in total and i believe last year auburn didn't even sniff like five turnovers if i remember correctly uh see interception from last year six 
fumble recoveries. I got, I got seven fumble recoveries last year. That's ridiculous. I don't remember the fumble recoveries at all. Um, interception wise, I mean, 11 to six, six in a 12 game span, nine games. You have 11. I mean, this, Ron Roberts is almost within like three games short and has almost doubled the interceptions we got from last year. Mm-hmm. And it just shows to how great this defensive unit has looked all year. Uh, all you really need is the defensive line to step up some more. And this is a top five SEC defense. And I'll, I'll bet my life on that. Uh, back to JB SMV. I think it was JB Smooth. I'm going to say, I'm just going to call it that because I'm tired of spelling it. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know why Cam Riley isn't at the Jack position. I don't understand why he is either or why he isn't either. Because uh, there's been a lot of times where I sit there and have to wonder, can Cam Riley even play the sport of football? He struggles so much in every single part of playing at the linebacker position. Uh, he's not good in coverage. He doesn't make a lot of tackles. I I don't know how he would play at an edge rusher. I know he's fast enough to be a speed rusher, but I don't think he has the mechanics to be a pass rusher at the edge position. I I don't know about that. Yeah, no. If, if I'm if I'm this defense with Ron Roberts with Cam Riley, I, I'm thinking like I, I think he has a, a spot to be somewhere in terms of um, some off ball linebacker in pass coverage have one of those two flat zones that you can get right there but other than that he's just hasn't been able to do a whole lot rushing wise and so that's going to be something that i think will for sure be looked at over this next offseason and whether or not you know he's still with the team we'll we'll see <laughs> yeah i i'm if there's ever a player i'm okay with cam riley is just not a guy that i've been very high on since he's been here him at I'm higher on him than I am a Wesley Steiner. I will say, if anyone's ever watched the show with me talking about Wesley Steiner, you very much know that I am. There's not a lot of players on this team that I'm lower on than Wesley Steiner. Uh, just let that be known. Uh, let's see, got a lot of recruiting stuff. Here's to got War Eagle. Then here's to more AU offense to complement the defense. Complimentary football is the best football, and it's only taken us eight games to see it happen. So hallelujah. Thank you, Hugh Freeze, for finally getting this offense together and calling all the plays. Because mm-hmm. I don't think Philip Montgomery's called a single play since since the end of the Ole Miss game. And yeah. get another War Eagle before we start getting some recruiting uh, stuff. Uh, War Eagle, our defense is better than Mississippi State, in my opinion, and you see what that was. Who did Mississippi State play this week? Uh, I have it here somewhere. Uh, Mississippi State played Kentucky. Kentucky, yep. And got their doors blown off. Mike Wright threw for one interception or 78 yards, and their leading rusher had 24 yards. So, yeah. Uh, but Mississippi State just also it's not a very good team. Uh, but they held, they did hold Arkansas to only three points. So, I do see what you're saying there about Arkansas. Uh, and that game was in. Fayetteville, right? I believe it was. In Arkansas? Yeah. It was that. Versus um, Ole Miss? Yep. It was, yep. A, it was in yeah. Razorback Stadium. Yep. I will say, in that case, it this it's been tough to see Auburn this year offensively in road environments, more so than not. Uh, you got Cal. No. Offense I, struggle. I'm sorry. I apologize. That was at Vaughn Hemingway. 
That was that old miss. I missed the Mississippi State game. Wait, I'm sorry. What game were you asking for? Mississippi yeah, State. It, it, Mississippi State, Arkansas. Mississippi State, Arkansas was that no, that, that was at Razorback Stadium. That was the okay. first home game in like it was like three, four weeks. It was something crazy. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's why they didn't have a real home, home good home field advantage. They're also what, on like a four or five game losing streak at that time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, I ultimately just this looking at the Cal game, then A and M, then LSU. It's hard, and the Vanderbilt is different because Vanderbilt that was not that was not an away game in the slightest. Yeah, this this Auburn offense has definitely found ways where it has definitely struggled more often than not in, in road environments. And hopefully that gets fixed this week, uh, even though that's our last away game on the schedule. Uh, but it'd be nice to see just that steady improvement going into what can be a very hostile environment to play in because Auburn doesn't think of Arkansas as a huge rival, but due to basketball, Arkansas does seem to think that they matter more than they do to Auburn. So they, they that game they might show out a little bit. So it's going to be up to Peyton Thorne and co to really step up. Uh, and then we have, I'm just going to throw out Brian Dawkins and Brent James Barnett's question and answer back to back. Are we in jeopardy of losing recruits? And then James Barnett hit him with the, I think we're about to flip some players, which I completely agree with because war Eagle defensive recruits are seeing how the D is succeeding and are chomping at the bit to come here. Just watch. I think that goes to both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. I think whenever you're a five-star wide receiver like Perry Thompson is, or a five-star linebacker like Demarcus Riddick is, uh, you're seeing you're seeing positions of need really show themselves as they, why they are positions of need. So you're looking at this as Perry Thompson, and you're like, well, Auburn just had five drops, one of which would have been a, a 60-yard touchdown by Amari Kelly. I can make that catch. So if I stick with Auburn, I'm going to be a starter in, in just a few few months' time. Uh, just really enroll, get get on this team immediately, and come out and ball out. Uh, that's what you got. Look, Auburn is a all time great enough program to where they should be getting these five stars like that. Mm-hmm. And now that they're looking at it as a as a potential building block for them to get to the next level, especially whenever they're seeing the playing time show itself. I mean, as a five star, why as a five star wide receiver, why would you go to Georgia and Alabama? where you're not going to play for a couple of years when you can go to Auburn and immediately start building something special right away. Yeah. No, whenever, whenever you're looking to recruit some of these guys, especially, yeah, these guys that are higher rated, they're fours, they're fives. You want to, you want to sell them on what can be rather than what is right now. Obviously it does help that uh, Jordan Hare has been rocking for most every single game. And it's been awesome to see that for a recruiting standpoint, you see that, yes, there are some holes that are on both sides of the ball, really. But the one thing you want to give these recruits is is something to look forward to. Of I can compete at a high level. I can make an impact on this team pretty much from the get-go. But we also have a chance as a unit to achieve something special, to do something that Auburn hasn't done in a little while, but something that they can get back to. And, and, and just getting back to this winning ways, and especially for these recruits coming in, it's the it's – the, turnaround of this with a new coach and everything they have a chance to be the foundation and that's something that's really cool getting to be the foundation of that and growing from that i think we've i've seen it with with my school and you're gonna see with a lot of schools is is these really good recruiting classes that come from teams that are kind of struggling 
is because these players have this opportunity to do something that's bigger than themselves and that can lay a foundation to grow this program farther than what it is when they start. Yeah, and especially if you look at the players that Auburn has lost since recruiting class, I mean, I think it was a DB. I'm trying. It was Jaden Lewis, and oh, who was the guy who committed to South Carolina? Comments. Let me know. Uh, and Jamarian Burnett, uh, running back and de- defensive backs, the two positions on on this current Auburn team that Auburn's currently loaded at. Jarquez Hunter is finally breaking out, but he didn't break out soon enough for him to be a potential NFL draftee. So he's probably going to stay another year. So why would a class 2024 four-star running back stay at a team where he's not going to get any playing time? Because you can't put a you can't put a true freshman over now a, who's going to be a sophomore going an extra Jeremiah Cobb or Demari Austin is going to be a, a junior, and you have Jarquez Hunter going to be a senior, and of course you have Brian Batie who I also believe is is going to be a senior next year too. So you can't really start or play or get playing time to a guy who's going to be the RB five and be just as talented as some of the other guys ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then look at the DBs. Uh, DJ James gone, Nehemiah Pritchett's gone, but K and Lee, Austin Osbury, JD Rim, uh, all these guys, and Champ Anthony, who's the guy who's a scrappy, shorter defensive back who's definitely going to be getting some playing time next year. You can't really be upset about losing positions that aren't of need. Walker White's going to stay on, is, is going to stay with Auburn tr- through and through. He is <laughs> unofficially. Uh, one of the head recruiters for the Auburn football team right now. He's not on. He's not on staff, but he is recruiting all the way through. And I, I can't be mad about losing some players who Auburn, frankly, probably doesn't need right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, I definitely agree uh, with that. If you got so much depth, like it'd be cool to do that, especially if. You know, if you're one of those kids who grew up wanting to go to your, you know, going to that school and it's been like your lifelong dream, but ultimately if it just doesn't give you an opportunity really to play until year three, you know, there's so much lost time there where you can go somewhere. And again, you might not start as a freshman, but you go in that second year and you pretty much got a starting spot on lock. You can make an impact right away. Those things, there's only so much you can do with your, the, you know, seventh, eighth corner on the roster, you're the seventh, you're the, you know, fifth safety you know, in the depth chart, it's just, I, I don't blame or or really have any ill will for any of these guys who want to go and find an opportunity that, that is better for themselves. Yeah. And I just remember the other deep at the back that decommitted Jalua Solomon, the other one who decommitted, but look at the recruiting class for defensive backs. You're still getting him on lane, a four-star corner, and you're getting Jalen Crawford, who's a high three-star. He should be a four-star because he is just that good. Mm-hmm. And of course, you have two state. You have Caleb Harris from Clay Thompson from Thompson. I was reading Angela Barber and Kinsley Faustin from Naples, Florida. You're still getting these very good defensive backs, so no need to panic about about the players you're committing. Don't worry about it. We're fine. We're still recruiting. We get the recruit all the way through December, so we're fine. No need mm-hmm. to panic. But with that, we're going for almost an hour and eleven. So, John, I'll go ahead and end it there. Let everybody know we can love you, find you, and support you. Awesome. Uh, you guys can find me on any social media platform of your choosing at John Lee 49. Uh, that's always going to be the same for all of them. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, X, Instagram, and come hang out, come talk uh, ball. I love, I love talking pretty much any sport. So if you got a question that's football, baseball, basketball, hockey, whatever it may be, I'll be there. And, and I love, love interacting and hanging out with people. Of course. And sadly he is a, uh, a Niners fan. 
sadly. Sadly. <laughs> Whatever. I only say that because you have my running back and I want him back. Yeah. No, I I am a San Jose Sharks fan though, and we are on the verge of becoming the only team in North America to not have a win in the uh, major four sports leagues. Oh, that's right. The Panthers <laughs> aren't going to be aren't a part of that. Yep. Even though and they're and one, one the of Grizzlies them. can join that club tonight. So <laughs> that'd be funny. But of course, yeah, I'm Dylan Lark at Ebola Tank on Twitter slash X I Y A B O I the Tank. I'll tell you on Instagram at Dylan Lark at D Y L A N L E R C K. And of course, you have us right on the college loop. Would uh, we should like, comment, and subscribe. We're almost to 700. And by that, I mean we're at 666. So let's not be on that number very long, please. I don't need any kind of curses going on around my area. So yeah, let's get that up. And of course, if we get the 700, Colin gets to eat for the first time since 600. So let let Colin eat. And of course, you also have us on Twitter slash X, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, the works all at the College Loop. And of course, if you're tired of seeing us, I completely understand. But you can also go listen to us. You have us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. And of course, all of that being said, thank you, John, for coming in clutch yet again. This has been the College Loop post-game reaction show. And there, where's the outro? There's the outro.